Welcome to the Momentum Matters podcast, where we have courageous conversations with women leaders. You'll hear about their accomplishments, experiences, challenges, and best advice. If you're inspired by women who've overcome the barriers and gone on to do extraordinary things, you're in the right place. I'm Karen Taradis, CEO of Social U, a digital marketing firm specializing in social media management, training, and consulting. I'm pleased to introduce to you our host, April Benatolo. April is the CEO at Momentum Leaders, a Birmingham-based nonprofit on a mission to advance women in leadership. Welcome to Momentum Matters. I'm April Benatolo, CEO at Momentum, and my guest today is Steph Tuss, and Steph is the CEO of a multi-million dollar global consulting company called Life Is Now Incorporated. She's also a frequent co-host of Business Daily News' top-ranked podcast, The Successful Mind. Steph discovered her love for teaching at a young age, beginning her career as an educator. It was during this time that her firstborn child was facing health difficulties, and so she decided to completely overhaul their diets to figure out the root cause. She went back to school to pursue a master's degree in holistic nutrition and went on to open a practice to help families who face similar challenges. Fast forward a few years and Steph hired David Neagle and his team at Life Is Now Incorporated as her health practices business coach. As she continued to scale her business, her love for entrepreneurship and growing businesses shined through. She sold her health practice business at the age of 33 and joined Life Is Now Incorporated. She was at that time a director of sales in 2009 before taking on the CEO role and less than a decade later in 2016. In her six years at the helm of the company, Steph has become the primary driver behind all of Life Is Now's marketing, business development, and brilliant team culture. As a recent empty nester, she lives in Charlotte, North Carolina with her husband and their cattle dog, Jack. In her spare time, she enjoys traveling the country in her Airstream. Welcome to Momentum Matters, Steph. How are you today? I am so wonderful. How are you? I am very well, very well. We are um, hot and humid here in Birmingham, Alabama. I imagine things are kind of the same in Charlotte. Very much. Very, very sticky. Yes. Well, we are much appreciative of you joining us here today and um, excited to hear your story because, I mean, wow, what a compelling story you have. Um, I wanted to start out, though, by getting a little bit of background information. So if we could, you know, back way up before you even had children and tell us a little bit about your upbringing and maybe like where did that whole entrepreneurial spirit, where do you think it came from? So I came from very humble beginnings. My dad um, worked at General Motors. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin. So there's a General Motors factory um, in Janesville, Wisconsin. And I grew up, he worked there for 30 years. My mom was a credit manager at the local hospital, which means she was the person in charge of calling people and telling them that they were, you know, overdue on their, on their bills. Um, There aren't any entrepreneurs in my family with the exception of farmers. My dad's parents, my grandparents were farmers. And I think, you know, I think I picked up that entrepreneurial spirit actually from my dad. I feel like he felt like he had to, like, I remember him telling us that he, he would sit in the parking lot of GM and give himself a pep talk to actually go in. 
but he would also do very interesting things. So he would pop a whole bunch of popcorn and bring it to work and sell the popcorn to the people that he worked with. Or he would, um, it was a big fishing community. So he would, on his time off, you know, melt down lead and literally make in our basement um, fishing lures and jigs and then take those to GM and sell those as well. So even though he didn't have his own business, even though I'm not from, I don't, I don't have any entrepreneurship in at, on either side of my family, I think that spirit of, you know, that little bit of hustle, that thinking outside the box definitely came from my dad when I think about it, because he was always up to something on top of what he felt like I think he really had to do for the financial security of our family. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so you, from your upbringing, your, tell us a little bit about your education. Did you go to school in Wisconsin? I did. So I'm the first on both sides of my family, again, um, to go to college and get a college degree. I went to school to become a teacher. So I'm a double major in education and music. I have a big passion for music and wanted to be a music teacher. Um, and then my whole goal in life was to get a teaching job and stay there for 30 years and then retire. Um, so I went to school in Southern Wisconsin, real small liberal arts college. I was on track doing what I thought was the secure thing. Um, went to get a job, went to get a job teaching and I went to a job fair um, in Madison, Wisconsin, and I got lost. So I was late. So all the local school interview shot, interview slots were taken. And there were some schools from California there that had openings. So I thought, well, I'm just going to, I'm not moving to California. I'm just going to take these interviews as practice. And the very first interview that I had with the school in California offered me a contract. And nobody else did. So Took the, I took the contract. I left Wisconsin for the first time. We drove a U-Haul to California, moved me into my very first, appoint, first apartment, didn't know anybody. And that's where I started my, my teaching career. And consequently, met my husband who taught across the hall from me. So, and I taught, um, I taught in California for five years. But I will say that at about year two, I started being, I started to feel like, I don't know how, I don't know how I could do this. Like, I don't know how my dad walked himself into General Motors for 30 years, knowing that it wasn't his passion. It was just a sense of obligation. This is what I had to do. I don't think I can do that. So that's when I started, like, really feeling like, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this for, for the next 30 years of my life. And that's where I started thinking, like, what could I do differently? And so from California... You met your husband, and I think what led you into um, the, the business that you actually started was actually um, some health challenges that you faced with your son. So could you tell us about that? Yeah, it was, it was, yes. This is where my life really started to change. So we were teaching in California. Um, we had gotten married, and I had our first child. It was a little girl, and she was born very sick. Um, nobody knew what was wrong. Um, failure to thrive, um, colic, like you've never, like crying 23 out of 24 hours a day. The doctors didn't know what was wrong. They wanted to do invasive surgery on a, you know, month old baby. And I just, 
it was at that point where I, I'm, I just said, there's something that I'm missing. So I went down a massive rabbit hole of trying to find out anything that I could find out about what was wrong with her. Um, I contacted chiropractors. I contacted Chinese herbalists, lactation consultants, every single, you know, support health, naturopathic, anything you can think of, I talked with. Um, and lo and behold, I discovered that she had really severe food sensitivities and she was becoming sick because of what I was eating. And it was just like, I, I thought to myself, I'm always a teacher. Like my, my passion is teaching. Even in my current role as CEO, my favorite thing to do is to develop our team, to teach people, to teach our clients. And I thought I've learned this information and it's changed my daughter's life. Like literally her symptoms went away within a week. Um, that this is what I need to teach. So while I was still teaching in an elementary school classroom, I went back to school and got my master's degree in holistic nutrition. I then decided that I was going to leave teaching, which was terrifying. Teaching was very secure. I had people telling me, you're, you're leaving teaching? What are you going to do for benefits? Like, how are you going to do this? Don't worry, we'll save your spot for you when you, when you come back. And my sole goal in leaving teaching was just to replace my teacher income, which to be quite honest, was not substantial. I think when I left, I was making $35,000 or $36,000 a year. Um, so I didn't renew my contract. It was very, very scary, but I just knew this was something that I had to do. And I opened my own holistic nutrition practice and it grew very, very quickly. Um, at that time, you know, this was back in 2006, 2007, holistic nutrition really wasn't a thing. Um, there were very few practitioners um, and a lot of people didn't know that it even existed, that there were altern alternatives to being sick um, or even to weight loss for that matter. So I just decided I was going to do this and I didn't know that I couldn't do it. So I just did it. I, I hustled and I hit the ground and I walked into corporations and I offered, you know, free talks and I worked with school districts on helping teachers get healthy because I knew, I knew what they were going through. I know the stress levels and, and the lack of self-care. Um, you know, teachers are highly sacrificial um, by nature. So and I just, I just built my business brick by brick, got to a point where I was working with a lot of um, a lot of people. I was uh, team nutritionist for some major universities and even personal nutritionist for a couple of um, professional women's sports players. And I started to notice that it's really easy to teach someone how to be healthy. It's much more difficult to figure out why they're not taking your advice and doing the things to be healthy. So I got more interested in the mindset of why and how people change than actually teaching the change. And that's where I met um, David Nagle, who is my partner um, in Life Is Now. And so 2006, 2007, a year, if I remember correctly, before the Great Recession. Oh, yes. So tell, <laughs> tell us about that challenge. You've, you're, you're a teacher. You have never started a business before. You're in California, which I understand can be pretty onerous in terms of, of getting started, um, a lot of regulation, um, and and there's a recession on the horizon. So, And I failed to mention that we actually 
through a move in there as well. So during this time, we moved from California back home to where I grew up in Wisconsin to be closer to my family. So we we'll move in there as well. And my husband opened a franchise. So he decided to leave teaching too. So he opened a franchise um, and I started my business right around the same time. And then that's when the recession hit. His franchise suffered, suffered a great deal. My business did not, um, which in and of itself, when I look back, I just think like, it's amazing to me that I was able to grow the way that I was able to grow in the community that we were living. Cause we were actually living back in Janesville, Wisconsin. And that's the same year that the GM plant closed. So overnight you had 6,000, 6,600 to 8,000 people, I think moving away, like leaving. It, it was a really, really hard hit area. And I just, I just didn't, I didn't let it enter my mind. Like there are people here, they need my help. I can do this. And I just, I just hustled. And your daughter continued to thrive. And my daughter continued to thrive. Yes. All of her symptoms went away. Um, she's a perfectly healthy 21 year old living on her own right now, um, which I'm, I'm thrilled about. So grateful um, that I was able to find the information that I was able to find because a lot of people aren't able to find that information and end up, you know, completely lost as to how to help their children. And as a mom, there's nothing worse than not knowing how to help your sick infant because they can't communicate with you. They can't tell you what's wrong or where it hurts, right? So it's it's so um, heartbreaking and frustrating and, and that feeling of being out of control and not being able to know exactly what to do to help is really, really tough. So I'm really grateful that I was able to, to find that answer and then help other people in the same way. Um, it was interesting because in my practice, I I did attract many people who had food sensitivities or whose children had food sensitivities that had been diagnosed with with other things. So it, it was it was very it was a very very rewarding business. But I found myself falling out of love with the nutrition and into love with how do people work? Like how does this work in their brain? How do how do how do people what do people need to change in their mindset to really be able to develop a new a new self-image to make those health changes? Because the same thing that stops you from becoming healthy is the same thing that stops you from growing your business or hiring a team or allowing yourself the support that you need um, to grow your business. It's it's there's a there's a thread and a theme through all of it. How did you um did did you do you feel like that you encountered specific challenges because you're a woman? Did you have situations where people didn't take you seriously or wouldn't invest or um, asked if your husband was going to be involved? So yes and no. Um, I I think the biggest issue was getting people to take me seriously. So I've been underestimated a lot over the course of my life. I don't know if it's because I'm a woman. I, I, I don't, I mean, obviously I don't understand the reason for that, but I've been underestimated a lot. So I always made it um, really important for me to, in going into conversations, actually not making any of the conversations about me, but being a good listener and knowing what questions to ask. Because if you can ask the right questions, you can gain immediate immediate respect from people. So 
I, I think that's how I kind of worked my way around that not being taken serious. Um, and I think with the nutrition, you know, profession, I was female. I had my story to back up why I, why I opened, um, you know, my business. I think that helped. But where I came into conflict was it was in the space that I'm in now. So as a CEO, there aren't a lot of other CEO women running multi-million dollar businesses. It is a lot of men. Um, and the, I, the, the struggle that I had within myself, even from a mindset perspective, was a worthiness issue. Like, you know, am I, do I belong with this group of people? Am I smart enough to be a part of the club? Do I fit with, um, with, with these other CEOs? running businesses the way that that they run and i just came to the the understanding that it doesn't really matter i can just do the best at what i what i do and it doesn't matter what other people think or if i'm the only woman in a group of you know 20 men that i have something to bring to the table i have a lifetime of experience um and that i am good enough so it was that intimidation factor and i think a lot of women experience that that intimidation factor in some of those situations Absolutely. Uh, we hear it at Momentum all the time. Yeah. Every class starts that way. They feel like, do I, do I belong even in this group of 30 super accomplished women? Yeah. And so we begin every year saying, you are exactly where you need to be right now at this time. And yeah. you deserve to be here. I mean, when, when, you know, I'm, I'm 47. So I was born in 1975 and it wasn't okay to be a leader as a as a little girl at that time. I don't know how many times I was called bossy. You know, stop being so bossy. Stop being so bossy. And it's interesting because I actually my nickname was Bossy the Cow. I told you I come from a long line of farmers. Well, in the pasture there's always there's always a cow that that leads everybody, right? And they call that cow Bossy the Cow. So I developed the nickname Bossy the Cow, which um, wasn't super nice. I think I would say, but if someone at that time had recognized that and said something more along the lines of, you're not bossy, you have leadership skills. Let's develop those leadership skills. That's right. I think I would have been on, on, a, on a track to leadership way earlier than, than I was because it just, you were shut down so many times that you learned to fly under the radar. You, you learned to keep your mouth shut. You learned to keep your ideas to yourself or you're rejected, right? And that's that's one of the most painful things a child can experience. So I think even just overcoming, you know, those messages that you get as a child, as a young girl, as a child is really difficult. You know, you're really taught to not take up any space at all. And here I am, the CEO of a company, I have to take up space. Like that's a requirement. So it was just really challenging those beliefs and continuing to step through them and say yes to opportunities that I think helped me kind of reframe those paradigms. Have you had specific um, people that you would say served as a mentor or um, really helped to guide you through some of those those steps? Yeah, um, the the man who I'm partnered with was my first coach, and I would say that he was he's probably one of the most influential people in my life. Um, not necessarily because of anything he said to me, but a and how he's treated me and the expectations that he's had. And B, the amount of resources that he's drawn me to so that I could figure this out on my own. Um, obviously, there, you know, I've got um, 
I lead a, a very diverse team right now of both men and women, all different cultural backgrounds. And I think for me, it was him teaching me that I'm, I have something of value that I can't keep hiding, that it's my responsibility to express. That it's actually, it's actually selfish for me to keep all of that inside and hide who I am. So I, I would say he's probably one of the most influential or was at the time one of the most influential people in my life. And now it's such a joy to be working alongside him, you know, as equals helping other people see these things for themselves. And have you found a um, network of other other women, either women CEOs or women leaders or women um, entrepreneurs that that you are a part of? I have um, not a, a group exclusive. Um, I've not found an exclusive group of female CEOs. Um, but I am a part of several uh, like mastermind format groups of other business owners that's incredibly inclusive and does include other female CEOs. Um, and also the clients that we work with are very successful business owners. So when we transition out of a mentorship role, they stay fast friends. So over the course of the, I mean, I've been with Life is Now for 14 years now. You know, I've made so many friends, been able to watch so many businesses grow that those those relationships last. They, they just last. So I've been able to kind of cultivate my own little community of really powerful, really smart, um, from the heart women that are business leaders. That's fantastic. Um, so I'm so glad to hear that, that those uh, relationships endure over time. Um, can you maybe... At this juncture, we could um, jump into a little bit more of life is now. Sure. And us what it is that you do, uh, what the business model is, how how you got it funded, and and you know maybe what the the growth plans are for the company. Sure. So our target market are small business owners that have achieved a certain level of success in their business and they're at a growth point and they're they're hitting a glass ceiling. So generally we see this in small businesses when a business owner has built to about you know yearly revenue of about 800,000 and they may ha have a handful of team members mostly part-time and they're at the point where they know they need to step out of the doing in the business and step into the being in the business and begin to delegate. Most entrepreneurs get into business because they're in love with, with what it is that they offer, right? But a business can only be built so far based on what it is you offer. You have to be also in love with the business of business, which means putting systems and structures and then getting yourself out of the way so the business can grow. And we support business owners in doing that in two ways. One, in adopting the appropriate mindset because... When you first start a business, you have one mindset, but to actually scale, you need an entirely different mindset. It's like a different vehicle. This vehicle will only take you so far. This other vehicle will take you further. And then we come in with the actual strategy and tactics. So that's why that's how David and I work so well together. He really is powerful psychology and mindset behind how to grow and scale your business. And I'm tactics, operations, and leadership behind how to scale your business. Um, we we start we bootstrapped. So David started the business uh, about twenty years ago, um, and he bootstrapped. He built it from the ground up, speaking on stages. Um, so we are a consulting and skill building company. Um, so we've never been funded. Um, we are 
we are privately owned and we're, there's a sense of pride around that. Um, and our growth trajectory is we're, we're growing year over year. Um, there, we're seeing more, a more, more of a need to help business owners now than ever, especially with new legislation coming down, um, with the threat of a recession coming, business owners are wondering, you know, what kind of mindset they need to adopt and what kind of strategies they need to put in place in order to weather what's to come in the next couple of years. So, um, we're, we're strong, we're a growing business, um, and we've got really big goals to just help as many business owners as we possibly can, because they're the good guys, right? Someone needs to help the good guys. So right. of America right there. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Owners, yes. Um, do you have specific services that you've developed around, um, minority and women owned businesses? We work with all businesses. So we're actually an international company. We've got lots of lots of clients um, based in other countries. We work with women. We work with men. We work. I mean, it's we're completely inclusive. Um, and actually, we have a large majority of female business owners. Um, I have my own theory as to why that is. But my theory is that the female business owners are more open to the mindset behind what makes a business work. And are, are able to accept support more than the male-driven businesses. So we really appeal to that. And um, we don't have programs specific to women. We have a, we have programs that are for everyone. Mm -hmm. anyway. I actually have a theory, too, around the woman-owned business thing. If you look at st the statistics, um, in, the, in the areas where the metro area ranks very poorly in terms of being favorable for working women, you see a higher rate of woman-owned business because they are encountering all of these barriers in, in the corporate world. And so they they essentially get fed up and strike out on their own. Yeah. They're like, they do very well. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're seeing. There's a lot of people that we work with that that have come from corporate, for sure. Mm -hmm. And and so you don't have a specific industry or a specific sector that you work with. It's it's genuinely based on the size of of the business. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Very very cool. So where where will you go from here? You've got a, a child that's out um, and living successfully on her own. I understand you have an airstream that you enjoy traveling in. Very. And, much. Um, and the company's doing great. So what's what's next for Steph? The company's doing great. Um, what's next for me is we're actually going under a little bit of a rebrand. So um, with me being equally forefront in the business rather than doing most of the work behind the scenes with running everything with operations, with leadership. And we're really branching out with a strong message about how to lead yourself and be, the, be a leader worth following. So we're developing programs. Um, we're developing uh, frameworks around the theme of leadership um, because without leadership, there's, there's mess, there's chaos, there's, there's failure. So growing people into being who they need to be to have the company that they can, that they dream of is really a big part of our mission and to help people see the possibility, right? Most business owners don't have people in the, on, on their side. They don't have family members saying, yeah, you can do this. It's usually the opposite. They have family members saying, you're crazy. 
you're leaving a perfectly good job. What are you doing? This is crazy. You're putting your family at risk. You're being irresponsible. So a big part of our mission as well is to help people see what is actually possible and to be their cheerleader, but also give them the tools to be able to make it happen. And we just want to grow that as big as we possibly can, whether that's speaking on stages or on podcasts or, um, you know, putting out, you know, free content on YouTube and our own podcast. So that's, we're just super mission driven to make the biggest difference in as many business owners lives as we possibly can. Well, we certainly appreciate you making a difference here. Um, your story is truly inspirational. I um, don't know where all of your get up and go uh, truly came from, but um, if the more you can spread that around, the better off um, all entrepreneurs will be. I um, would love for you to leave us with some ways that that people can get in touch with you and can access your content or maybe contact you because they are very interested in growing their business. Perfect. Would love to. A great source of anything you're looking for business or mindset related would be our podcast, The Successful Mind Podcast. We just finished up an entire series on leadership, um, which talks about the role of conflict in leadership, how to have difficult conversations, how to hire, how to identify an A player. So mindset and tactical that I think could really benefit anyone that's an entrepreneur listening to this podcast. Um, David and I are always putting out fantastic content uh, on social media. So if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, it's very simple. It's at Steph Tuss with a PH, not two, not an F or two Fs. Um, and then we also have our website, which currently is davidnagel.com. It's changing to lifeisnow.com, but it hasn't changed yet. So three different ways that you can get information or even just access some really great resources that could be of benefit. Fantastic. Well, thank you again and best of luck to you in the future. And I hope that we can touch base and hear more about um, a growth and success story down the road. Thanks so much, April. This was a lot of fun. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Momentum Matters. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast as we share more important conversations with women leaders. We would love for you to rate our show and share with women in your circle. We thank our sponsors for their support of our mission to advance women in leadership, including Regions Bank, Protective Life, and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Alabama. A full list of corporate partners can be found at MomentumLeaders.org backslash sponsors. We also want to thank the individual donors, Momentum alum, and volunteers for their commitment to see women succeed.